0: I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. Today, oh my goodness, I am riddled in goosebumps learning about this incredible woman, the world's best ultra runner, Camille Now. I'm going to read out some stats, you guys, because as I was getting to know her before this call, she's blown my, first of all, welcome, Camille. So thrilled to have you with me and Thanks, us.
1: Please. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always fun to, to do podcasts with women. Um, I, I really enjoy that. I feel like the conversation ends up being really interesting. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Well, me
0: too. And Camille, I I celebrate you. First of all, I think you are absolutely extraordinary. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, everyone. Camille is the first and okay, first of all, in April 2022, this blows my mind. Camille became the youngest woman to reach 100,000 lifetime miles, 100,000 lifetime running miles. First of all, Camille, what does that mean like is that just the race miles that you've run or is that you know what you've logged in your journal
1: yeah it's it's what i've logged i've I've been a a competitive runner for 27 years so i started running in 1995 and even going back to then, I my, my dad was kind of the one that was always like about, oh, you got to track your training. And so, um, you know, back then I was just kind of loosely tracking it on calendars and note cards and, uh, you know, just kind of having a general idea of how much I was running so I could know my training load. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started kind of loosely tracking it back then. And, and then I started a proper training log in 2002. So I have all of my miles logged for the past 20 years. And um, it just became motivation when um, I realized like, oh, I'm increasing my mileage. You know, maybe I could set like some sort of really long term goal of, you know, 100,000 miles sounds like a a fun goal. So um, here we are, you know, age 40, I finally reached it. So
0: let me tell you, everyone, what these 100,000 miles have (laughs) led Camille to being the first and only, this is male, female, right? Everyone, first and only athlete to win all three of the International Association of Ultra Runners 50K, 100K, and 24-hour World Championships, which, by the way, in that 24 hours, Camille ran 167 miles. I mean, that's just insane. So Camille, first of all, you must've started when you were like one, How (laughs) how old were you when you actually started running and what got you into it? Was something, was it something you were forced to do? I can't imagine that because I feel like you're super passionate. So how did it all begin?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How did it all begin? Um, well, uh, I am I feel very fortunate that as a kid, uh, we lived out in the country and we had all this like land around our house. And uh, I was so into the outdoors, uh, just running around the fields, looking for wildlife and cool rocks and snakes, birds, everything, rabbits. And um, so, I mean, as a young kid, I was running around these wheat fields, like looking for cool things. And um and yeah, I mean, I was really into sports. My dad and my grandpa played basketball at Oklahoma state. So I'm, I'm built like my, my dad and my grandpa, I'm like all arms and legs. And, um, so yeah, I was just, I was a natural athlete from a young age and, um, and yeah, my mom was a swimmer. So I probably got my my heart and my lungs from her. So I've kind of got the best of both my parents. Um, But yeah, I grew up primarily as a basketball player because I wanted to be like my dad and my grandpa. And um, I was very coordinated. I I played a lot of sports. I mean, I did golf and softball and tennis and uh, rollerblading, like just lots and lots of sports. Um, But yeah, when I was in elementary school, we had to do the presidential physical fitness mile Uh, I think starting in the fourth grade and um, I was the fastest girl at my school, even as a fourth grader. Um, And and I I remember at that time, they used to separate out the boys and the girls so that we didn't run together. But I always wanted to race the boys because I was competitive. And um, so I was, my time was pretty comparable to the boys at the time. Um, And so I kind of knew from there that, you know, I think I might be pretty good at this running thing. Um, but, but yeah, and, and basically the way it started was in junior high, we had to, uh, our basketball coach was the track coach in the seventh grade and we had to go out for track, um, in the seventh grade. And I just remember from the first day, like I could just endlessly run loops around the, the middle school and I uh, just didn't get tired. And I, I remember, like all the other kids would start like walking and I would just be like, I just keep (laughs) running. Like It was just so easy for me. And, um, and, and then I went out for cross country in the eighth grade, um, cause I had, we had to choose an off season sport cause our basketball coach was a softball coach. So, um, I very boldly chose to do cross country instead of softball, which at the time was, you know, perceived as the harder sport. And, and so from there, I mean, I was just, I was just natural at it. And, um, cross country, cross country was a sport that made me fall in love with running because it reminded me, like I said, of, you know, being that kid out in the fields, you know, chasing the wildlife. Life, looking at nature. Um, and so that was a sport that made me fall in love with running.
0: Wow. I love, I love all of this. And it's making <laughs> me think, you know, I, I feel like people fall in love with running for those types of reasons. Like for me, I have this dog named Whoopi and she <laughs> always wanted to go out and run. And when she ran, like she'd be so excited, just like it was the greatest thing in the world. And watching her made me feel that way about running so it's that kind of passion that builds um and then you start cross country now i know i feel like there's definitely competitiveness but but if you had to say what is it more is it more passion or more competitiveness or just this beautiful union of the two
1: i think it's i think it's everything and but yeah i feel like i i feel like i fell in love with running for all the right reasons because it just made me feel like a, a kid again and yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, I just, I loved that feeling of just going over hills and being on the natural terrain. And, um, and I was, I was really shy. I think this is another important thing to, to point out. I was really shy when I was little. And part of the reason for that is because I was born with a central auditory processing disorder and didn't have all of my hearing in my left ear. And so, um, so I was extremely shy because I didn't, I couldn't hear, I couldn't talk properly, and I would smile. I would smile as my way of communicating my happiness and my joy, and and you know, trying to kind of compensate for my disability that I had. And I had to take speech until I was nine, and um, but I was just this like happy, you know, positive kid. And, you know, just everything I did, I was just super, I was, I was, I like to make people laugh, even though, you know, I couldn't talk right, but I could like smile and, you know, and, you know, be a clown and, and, you know, and so, so that, that joy that I have, you know, it still comes out as an athlete and as a runner and you see me with a smile on my face and um, I just have such a passion For for sports and and for being competitive and my mom put me because I was so shy my mom put me in all these sports and activities to help me come out of my shell and so you know being a being a dancer being on stage you know my big smile you know would just shine bright and and so sports was a way to help you know you know like show show my talents you know and my smile and you know my competitiveness and my athleticism. Um, and so, so yeah, when I got into running, um, it was just this beautiful harmony of like everything, you know, just that passion of, you know, feeling like I'm a kid again and my competitiveness, um, I'm built for running, you know, I look like a runner. Yeah. Um, and I remember going to like my first cross country race in the eighth grade and, um, you know, I'm a string bean and I remember seeing all the other little girls there and being like, Oh, they look like me, you know, maybe this is my sport. And so, yeah. um, so yeah. I think, you know, just from that first season as a cross country runner, I mean, that's what, that's what really got me hooked.
0: Okay. First of all, I just love you. <laughs> amazing. And one thing, you know, I always tell people, you don't have to be happy to smile. Sometimes you smile and you become happy. <laughs> True. I love that this was your way of dealing with, you know, this, this auditory um, challenge that you had. Yeah. And now it's become who you are. And and it's, you know, no surprise that you find such passion and joy in your life and in the things that you do, because that is it's like your identity, right? Yeah. You identify, I would imagine as this happy, passionate human being. And and this is what I love about you, because my God, you just are sending out <laughs> the most incredible light and energy. And I love this. How much... You know because it's really smart of you like i coach athletes (laughs) i coach people and i talk about how when you shift you know what you focus on when you focus on what's right and what's good how far you've come what you love what you want to create what you have control over when you focus on those things your energy is that much better and you're looking for all the good and you're just generally happier and you make better decisions in your life how much of that is just natural like you just did this on your own or how much of this has been practiced or you know how much of it is just natural to you and how much has been practiced
1: yeah yeah that's that's a great question i mean i think it's a little bit of both and like i said as a little kid i i mean i came into the world they said i came into the world on christmas day with a smile on my face um, and my mom said I was just a happy baby that I like to eat. And um, I was just a really, you know, like joyful, like little baby, you know, so I think I was, I was born with it. And um, my parents are super positive and encouraging. And, and that really helps, you know, to have people that believe in you and, and they're happy and positive And, Um, I've had people tell me I'm kind of like Ted Lasso. (laughs) I love Ted Lasso.
0: (laughs) Yes, I love that. But how much, I mean, it's true that like, Uh we could be told as a child like, oh, you were so shy and you were so quiet. And then we almost become that in our lives. So how amazing that you have parents that are like, you're so joyful and happy and this, and you became that, which is something you want to be. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. But I think it's interesting (laughs) and how amazing to have parents that were so supportive and so positive themselves. I think that's incredible. What do you suggest for someone that may not have parents that are supportive and positive? What would your advice be to them?
1: yeah definitely um you know i i you know everybody has like kind of a different story of where they came from how they got to where they are and um i found over time you know that uh, just surrounding myself with other people that are happy and positive you know um my husband is um my husband's irish and when I met him at a jazz festival, when I was in college and um, he was just like me, like he was just so funny and happy and positive. And um, I mean, I was hooked on him, you know, from, from that first night that I met him, I was like, this is this guy, you know, is, you know, I really like him. He's, he's really funny. And, um, and he was, my husband was also, uh, an elite athlete. He was a six time all American runner at the university of Oklahoma so he knew how to, he knew how to live the lifestyle of an elite athlete. And, you know, I think his, you know, positive, positiveness and happiness, you know, like carries over to his running as well. And so, yeah, I just found, you know, over time, like I, I tend to, I tend to have this, you know, energy and gravity that like pulls other happy, positive people around me. And, and um, yeah, I mean, that just gives you kind of like the wind beneath your wings to go higher and higher in the sport. So
0: absolutely. And that's so smart. You guys, proximity is power. You become the people that you spend the most time with. So choose the people or or allow yourself to bring into your life the people that make you feel good, the people that make you you know, want to be your best self, want you to strive and and dream big, like I love this. And it's so incredibly important. And we all get to choose, we all get to choose who we want to spend the most time with. Now with this, so how much do you and your husband run together, compete together? Or how do you support each other when you're both? Does he compete still as well? Or he just trains?
1: Yeah. So my husband's actually um, almost 10 years older than me. So he was a competitive athlete like before I became the, the athlete. Um, so when when I met him in college, uh, at that point, I'd become a recreational runner because I'd had a lot of injuries in high school and college. And um, my husband got his U.S. citizenship. And so I became his crew chief, you know, helping him with his long training runs and handing off bottles, driving with him on his training runs. And, you know, so he was the elite athlete and I just saw like the work ethic that it took for him to, you know, get to making the Olympic marathon trials in 2004 And I, I remember driving with him, you know, I was still in college. So I was like studying, you know, my, my hardcore science courses and have my textbooks, you know, and I'd be driving with him and, you know, handing off bottles. And then I'd be studying, you know, for, you know, human physiology or whatever. And, um, and I remember thinking at that time, like, I can't imagine running 22 miles like that seems so far um, and, and yeah, but at the same time, like, you know, I went to the Olympic marathon trials with my husband and, you know, around all these other elite athletes, they're like my husband and, you know, everybody just is like, looks fit and hardcore. And, um, it was just super inspiring for me. And, um, and things just kind of took off from there. Like just watching my husband and uh, like thinking, you know, well, I think I want to train more seriously. And, um, yeah, things just kind of took off from there.
0: Okay, so that's so powerful because one of the ways to success is to model people that have already done what you want to do you didn't necessarily know you wanted to do this, but in witnessing him doing it it kind of built this fire inside of you. Um, When did you first decide, you know i'm going to go run, I mean 50 K to me is like just insane like like when (laughs) did you first decide that you wanted to not just go long but really long
1: (laughs) yeah so um so yeah I I you know I was a marathoner for I guess like 10 years and so yeah it started it started from the first the first time we realized uh, that my husband realized I had something different about me was we were living and training in Boulder Colorado back in to, the summer of 2004 is i think that's where you're from right I live. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so so this is like you know right before the olympics and there's all these olympians there and we're training in boulder and i'm running you know past all these olympians and i'm just every day is like i'm inspired yeah. and, and and my husband and i started a run together one day and I didn't get back until after him. And I'm just a recreational runner at that time, just kind of tagging along with my husband. And my husband's like, wait a minute, you're running further than I am. <laughs> so, um, so that, so he was like, well, how much are you running? And I told him, oh, you know, I'm running about 70 miles per week and like not even racing, not even training or doing anything, just running for fun. And um, my husband was like, well, that's, that's quite a bit of running for someone that's just a fun runner. Um, So that's when he said he knew from the beginning, like I had something different about me, like the, the, I didn't set limits like him, he would go for a 70 minute run, you know, like a 10 mile run for him me, I didn't set limits on how far I would go. I would get out there. I would be enjoying the run. I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to go a little bit further, you know, like go explore this, you know, hill or whatever. Um, so I kind of had this endless mindset of I'm not going to limit myself. And so he says, you know, from the beginning, he knew that I was different and, So that was so that was that was the turning point when he started, you know, coaching me and giving me workouts, and you know, I ended up having a ten-year marathoning career where you know I developed myself over time, made three Olympic marathon trials, made a U.S. team in the marathon at the Pan American Games in 2011. And, um, and so I always knew that I wanted to do ultra running, but yeah. my husband wanted me to focus on the shorter distances and getting the most out of myself, you know, before I got made that leap. And, yeah. um, and so the turning point was I was at the, um, I was running a lot of marathons for a period and I, you know, realized like, Oh, I became a marathon maniac, which is, you know, running so many marathons in a period of time. And okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I became this marathon maniac and then I, um, I made my first U S team and then I was also ran, um, the, U- the, the New York city marathon, like 13 days after I ran on my first U S team. So, you know, I ran two like high profile races, did really well at both, both of them. And when I was at the New York city marathon is when the week coordinator, Uh, David Monty started talking to me about, Hey, you know, you just ran these two amazing marathons. Why don't you try ultra running? And so he was kind of the person that like kind of planted the seed, like maybe I should make that transition to ultra running. And so, um, so, yeah, I ended up running my first ultra in 2013 at two oceans in South Africa, which is 56k. So, uh, so running an ultra is going beyond the marathon, which, um, you know, going usually the, the, the normal distance is like 50 K. Um, and then, you know, it just goes from there. So, um, so I ran two oceans and, and my first, my first ultra was just kind of like, okay. Um, but not great. And it seemed like, like it wasn't until I went even further to hundred K that, things started to, you know, really separate out, like, okay, I've got talent for this. So um so 20, yeah, 2015 was when I ran my first hundred K. And that was kind of the epiphany. Um, because during that race, I started catching the men during the race. And I I remember, I remember during that race, like you know, I just keep going. I'm not feeling tired. I'm catching the men. They look really tired. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, these guys are much faster than me at the marathon, but I keep going and I'm feeling good. I keep going. So I, that was kind of the turning point where I said, okay, I think, I think I've got, you know, some talent for this. So.
0: This is incredible. And, (laughs) And let me say, I think I read you've run like a 237 marathon. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, you know, I was kind of in the prime of my marathoning career when I made that leap to ultras. And, you know, I, I could have kept going with the marathon, you know, I, I I wonder, you know, could I have gotten into the low 230s or sub 230. Um, but, you know, I was I like, I just had like this feeling, like I was meant to make that leap. And there were just all these signs, like telling me to make that change. And so, yeah, it ended up being, you know, the right, the right time for me to do it. And, um, yeah, going, going longer to a hundred K was really what kind of, you know, you know, made, made me realize, like, I think I've, I've got something, some talent for this. So,
0: oh, well, you definitely do. I mean, think about it. Listeners. You know, if you've ever run a marathon before, sometimes it's like months before your legs feel ready to start. (laughs) I mean, not months, that's an exaggeration, but, you know, weeks. And for you to go out and do two major marathons and have amazing performances at both, I mean, that's extraordinary. So obviously you're built for this. Yeah. Let's step into reality and say, you know, you (laughs) spoke about how earlier on you had a lot of injuries. So in my mind I'm thinking my god all these marathons and then you go to the 56k and then you go to the 100k how do you stay healthy through all of this
1: Yeah yeah that's a great question so I think I think when I was younger I I wasn't trained right for my physiology like I'm I'm a slow twitch person And I was basically trained for sprinting. I mean, in going back to high school, I had coaches that were football coaches that coached track and they trained me like a sprinter because I I had natural endurance and they thought they would work on my weaknesses and train me for, you know, my weakness rather than training me for my strength. And so I think it just went against my natural physiology to be doing like hard, like all the time. And so I, I broke down and, you know, my body was growing. I'm doing all this like high intensity training and it just didn't work really well with my physiology. And so, um, it wasn't until beyond, uh, or when I, the, the last part of my college career, when my husband started coaching me and, you know, I'm running more, I had slowed down the pace So I was working more with my natural physiology and my husband, you know, taught me how to, you know, take my easy runs easy, take my hard days hard. And that just worked better for my physiology. And so as I slowed down the pace for my easy runs, I found that I could run more and more and more, and I felt better. I had grown into my body as an adult finally. So I was, my body was better balanced in terms of my muscles and my bones and, um, and yeah, just having my husband, you know, to properly coach me and, you know, take my easy days, easy, hard days, hard. And um, we just found over time, you know, what worked for me and, you know, I'm more of a slow Twitch person and, and, and just, you know, getting into the marathon, getting into ultra, I mean, getting into ultra was really, you know, this, I felt better. I felt better training for ultras and running slower and longer and, you know, just things just started to click. So.
0: Okay, that's incredible. And I want to thank you, Camille, because all my athletes that I coach out there where I always say easy is easy and hard is hard. So thank you, you just totally like put a <laughs> on that. Um, I love that. And I love that your husband, you know, was the one that kind of figured this out. And there's something to that when here you are, you're doing 100k. And you know that this feels right, the training for this feels right. Go with what feels right. Trust your gut. Trust your instinct. So with this, can you kind of throw out, you know, a typical week of training in preparation for a 100K? Because I can't even imagine. So I would love to hear from you. And I want to, are you excited about this <laughs> kind of training? Like, is there any session that you don't look forward to? Are there some <laughs> that you're like chomping at the bit for
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think it's really important to point out that, that a lot of marathoners that try to get into ultra running, they make the mistake of thinking they need to do more. They think they need to run more mileage. They think they need to extend their long runs. I mean, I did all that. I tried all that. My first two ultras, I was trying to extend everything and do these 30 mile training runs. And you hear about ultra runners doing back to back long runs. So I, I, you know, was trying to do more and it felt like it made me tired and was losing kind of the zip in my legs. And I felt like I was underperforming my first two ultra attempts. Um, And so I kind of said, going into 2015 training for this 100K, I'm going to go back to marathon training. I'm going to go back to what works for me and my blueprint. Um, And so, I mean, we know know what works in the marathon. And so I went back to my blueprint of training, which is basically like a two-week training cycle where um, I have four main sessions in a two week period, which includes short intervals, long intervals, a progression run, and a hill session. So four main workouts, and then all the other days are just easy runs. And I might do like a long run every two weeks, which for me is a long run is about 18 to 22 miles. So I'm not doing like crazy long runs for ultra running. And even going up to 24 hours, I've, I, I had, uh, when I trained for my 24 hour world record in a 16 week period, I only had four long runs that were between 18 to 22 miles. So I'm not hitting. I <laughs> I don't- this. Yeah. I, I mean, we just focus on quality. We focus on those four main sessions in a two week period. And then between that, I'm just going easy. I'm enjoying my runs. I'm re- recovering. And so, um so when I went back to that way of training is when I started to thrive and get my speed back and, you know, just started crushing records. And so, um so yeah, I think it's really important for Uh, any, any marathon or any ultra runner, you know, making, making that transition to not think that you have to do more for ultra running, that if you have your formula that works for you, try it, you know, for ultra running that, um, you know, go with what your body feels, feels good so that you can get to the starting line, feeling fresh and feeling good and not beat down from all these like long runs. And so yeah, that was the difference maker. And, and yeah, I mean, I've just, I've just stuck with what works really.
0: Okay, Camille, this was so meant to be, this conversation, (laughs) because you're going to be like my poster child for my athletes that I train for half uh, Ironmans, Ironman racing, and I have never had an athlete run over 20 miles for an Ironman, and that 20 miles is done maybe once or twice in the year leading into the Ironman, but it's always a fight, It's always a fight because they're like, how, how can I run a great marathon if I'm not running over 26 miles or at least 26 miles? And it's always a fight. And I love that you, you get it, number one, but how, how would you answer? I'm asking for advice. How would you answer my athletes questions when they're like, but, but how can I run a fast marathon if I've never run a marathon before?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's all about cumulative volume. So you look at, you look at the cumulative volume that you've built up, you know, over time. And so I've kind of found my sweet spot for, you know, eight weeks going into a peak race. Like I thrive on this, on the peak volume between about 900 and 1050 miles. So that's like hitting, you know, 115 to 130 miles per week. Um, And that's a volume where I personally thrive. I'm a slow twitch person. I can log lots of like easy miles, but, you know, somebody else might thrive on, you know, 50 to, you know, 70 miles per week. And so I think it just depends on the athlete and kind of finding that sweet spot for volume where you thrive and where, um, you know, you're, you're improving, you're not feeling broken down. Um, and so you have to look at cumulative volume over time, that that's what gives you the endurance to sustain yourself. You know, for, for me, I'm going, like you said, 167 miles in a day. I can't train 167 <laughs> miles in a day. I would, you know, to be able to do that. Um, but it's like cumulative volume, you know, putting in 900 miles, you know, over, you know, eight weeks leading up to race is what gives me that endurance to sustain my, you know, sustain my endurance, sustain my speed. You know, when I do go for those amazing uh, ultra endurance feats. Yeah,
0: Camille, you're amazing. This is <laughs> absolutely awesome, and I think a huge part in this too is you can't show up at this huge race, whether it be 100K or an Ironman for for triathletes out there if you've trained so hard and you're losing the passion and you're dragging yourself out of bed to go do your sessions, like I always say, you want to have a full res of mental reservoir going into your key race. Totally. What does it take for you to have a full mental reservoir? Because on race day, you're going to want to dig deeper than you ever have. But if you've been digging, going to the well, every single day, day after day, it's not going to look great on race day. So now, oh, my God, I have so many questions for you. But <laughs> how did it feel? And, and I know, you know you've broken the world record in the 100 miler. And you broke it. When you broke the world record, I forget what year it was. You'll have to tell me that. But you broke the record by over an hour. Were you aware of it? Was that on your radar? Or was it a surprise <laughs> and you figured it out when you crossed the line?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it took courage for me to do what I did the first time I broke the hundred mile world record. I had actually a couple months before that. I, I, I I'm, I'm a stats geek. And so I had calculated what was 10% off of the men's world record. And so it came out to like 12 hours, just over 12 hours for a hundred miles. And so I said, okay, well, that's, that's possible. You know, for, for most world records, the difference, the differential between men's and women are, is like 10 to 12%. So I said, well, that's possible. And, and I put it out there, I put it out there, like, this is a couple months before I said, you know, I think my, my, I can run this, you know, based off of, you know, the men's world record. And everybody was like, do you realize that's over an hour faster than what Ann Trayson ran? And so in our sport, Anne Trayson is like the legend. She's perceived as the greatest of all time. And, but I didn't let it scare me. I didn't let it scare me what Anne had run. I had statistically calculated what 10% was. And I said, I'm going to shoot for that. And how, how I did that was I said, okay, well, this is the pace to hit, you know, 12 hours and 22 minutes. Um, and that equates to about 75% of heart rate max which for me is like, um, a steady long run pace. Mm -hmm. And so I practiced that, you know, knowing what my, my steady long run pace, you know, I've been doing it for years, you know, I know what that feels like and practicing that with a heart rate monitor. So when I finally had my, my opportunity to go for it, I just zoned out and said, okay, this is like a typical steady long run on a Sunday. And I just, I didn't wear my heart rate monitor, but I just focused on that effort that I knew that I'd practiced. And so went into the race, you know, with just thinking, you know, being joyful, feeling like I'm out in this like steady, typical Sunday long run. And, um, and yeah, and when I, when I hit halfway in that race, I think it was like 607, uh, through fifty miles, I mean, the internet was lighting up. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> but, yeah, so it was. It was kind of my husband, you know, following the internet chatter, and he says, he says, "Oh, they think you're gonna blow up. They think you went out too fast." But I was so, I felt so comfortable, and I had so much trust, and you know, in myself, and feeling like I feel good. I feel like I can sustain this. So, um, so yeah, I just kept going, and um, ended up running and 1242, which was like an hour and like three minutes faster than the world record. And I mean, it was just like, I think people were just in such shock, you know, that I had taken such a large chunk off of the world record. Um, and, and I didn't, I didn't blow up, but I just, you know, I, I figured, I, like I said, it was just a, stat, a stats problem for me of being like, okay, this is 10%. I'm going to go for it. Um, and just having that courage to do it, you know, I, I've, i I've been able to transcend the sport, you know, I, like, you know, when I got into the sport, everybody's like, oh, and Trayson said all these records, you know, and I, I've broken them, you know, I, I took the sport even higher and, um, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, what, what's happened for our sport here in the past five years that, because I've been, you know, breaking, like largely breaking down these time, uh, these time standards and barriers, you know, you know, taking the bar higher than what Ann Trayson did. And I mean, it's helped to elevate everybody in the sport to more women are getting after it. And, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a really cool thing to see our sport, you know, just continue to improve
0: well, I mean, congratulations. <laughs> Absolutely Thank you. extraordinary. And yes, like you're paving the way you're setting a new standard. How important was it? Um, I just love you so much. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> ever. Like how important was it to not think about what anyone else, I mean, it was important to have, you know, and Tracen set the, the record. So you had something to work off of a time to work off of, but how important is it to just not worry about what anyone else is doing and say, this is what I'm going to strive to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it was hard. It was hard when I got into the sport and I, I I'm somebody that I don't mind putting my goals out there. I'm, you know, I'm pretty confident. Um, I have courage. I was not afraid of what, the women before me had done that. I felt like I had this magic inside of me and I I needed to trust what I was feeling and, and just go with what I'm feeling really. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, for, for me, I, I feel like if you, if you aim for a certain time or a certain, you know, mileage, you know, for 24 hours, like you're setting a limit on yourself. Yes that you're not, you shouldn't aim for what someone else has done. You need to focus internally on yourself and trying to get the most out of yourself. And so I felt that I trusted that I felt, I felt like I was born for this and that just, you know, that's, that's what I've trusted going into the sport and being able to take these records higher and, you know, not kind of, kind of, well both being motivated by the people that doubt me, but also being encouraged by the people that support me and they're cheering me on to do these amazing things. And so when I'm out there, you know, you know, 80 miles into, you know, 100 miler. And, and, and my husband's telling me, oh, they don't think you can keep this up. They, they think you're going out too fast. And, but then I also feel that energy of feeling like I'm doing something important for the sport. I'm raising the bar higher. And I, so I, I'm kind of, you know, balancing like the people that doubt me with the people that believe in me and, and knowing, you know, that, that this isn't just about reaching a personal goal. This is about transcending the sport and taking it higher and, you know, pushing the boundaries even hard getting the most out of myself and so and so yeah I just it's it's been amazing I mean it's just been amazing to you know where I where I've taken the sport and and then also knowing you know (laughs) whether the best might be yet to come you know I don't I you know I'm 40 and and women ultra runners are you know just doing amazing things into their 40s and 50s and 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 that you know that excites me like I'm excited for for what's to come next.
0: Wow. I mean, this sport is so blessed to have you in it. This world is so blessed to have you. You're (laughs) such an incredible example. And I want to just go back to one thing that you said where you're going to have the doubters and the people that don't think you can, you have the people that support you, but you use both to empower you Yes. And rather than saying, oh, those doubters. And now I'm going to doubt myself. You said, oh, that's going to be the fuel for my fire, part of the fuel for my fire. My, the ones that are encouraging me, that's going to fire me up too. So there was no, no negative drain. You chose to reframe everything as something that was going to help you do this, not only achieve this personal goal for you, but do something that will elevate the sport to the next level. So, yeah. so brilliant. What <laughs> is next? Like what, what do you have on your radar now?
1: Yeah, gosh, I, you know, it's, I've really focused on the world records here the past five years and, um, and I've kind of dabbled in trail running and had some really brilliant trail running performances, but not like fully like devoted myself to that. Um, I still feel like I have some potential with the world records to take my world records even higher. So, and um, the next six months I'm going to be, you know, trying to work on improving, I'm sorry, my dog is like looking oh God, <laughs> bring them, them on. I love dogs.
0: We love dogs on my podcast. Bring
1: them on. <laughs> she walked off now. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still like kind of in my prime, my speed prime where I want I want to go for the world records and improve my world records. Um, but I think, you know, like looking a little bit more long term, like the next five to ten years, I want to go, I want to do more trail running and mountain running and um, and then going longer, you know, doing the the 200 milers, the multi-day stuff, uh, trans con, you know, run. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting here, you know, that um, once I feel like I'm, you know. I've got the most out of myself with the world records. I'm going to be, you know, transitioning into kind of more and going vertical at the mountains and, and going longer and, you know, finding, pushing, pushing my own human boundaries, you know, what can I do with my speed, you know, taking it into other, uh, other, you know, trail running and other avenues. And so I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I'm bringing, you know, I'm just bringing that joy that I have. And um, it's really, really fun for me. Um, It's fun to be challenged you know, in a variety of ways that there aren't many athletes that cross over from road to trail that a lot of athletes are specialists. You know, they, they, they're either trail runners or they're road runners. They're not doing both. And so for me, I've, you know, I, I found that I've been able to grow as an athlete by diversifying my, my interests, you know, crossing different distances, you know, it feels like there's this endless possibility of goals in, you know, mountain ultra trail that I can, I can be like, okay, I went for the world records. Now I want to go run UTMD (laughs) you know, something completely different. And, and yeah, so I, I consider myself, you know, somebody that's a life runner. I want to compete and run for my life. And I want to take on all these challenges and, and, you know, find out what I can do. And, and so, yeah, I'm just, you know, going to keep going with it.
0: Amazing. And you're writing your own script, you have no limits, you consider all possibilities. And I absolutely love that. I'm going to ask a question, because I just want your advice for all the athletes out there that are listening today. How do you deal with challenge when it pops up say you're having a real tough day and and it seems like nothing's going right hopefully there's not many of those days but how do you deal with that challenge like what is your strategy mindset wise um and if you could offer a little advice that would be amazing
1: yeah yeah doing doing ultras is just like it's about being, being good at troubleshooting. I mean, there's so many challenges that you go through that, you know, I've it's constant. Like when I set my 24 hour world record, I was having gut problems. I mean, I had diarrhea. I puked, I took two naps. I had to take a shower. I had to do a clothing change and I just accepted it as part of the experience. So those challenges are part of the experience and I don't let them get me frazzled. I consider that part of the experience. This is this is going to happen. It's inevitable that I'm gonna have challenges. And so I just, I just tell myself, just work through it, you know, just keep a positive mindset. And, um, you know, I got to give credit to my husband. My husband's my crew person and he knows me really well. He knows how to push my buttons. And, um, and so he's, he's a huge part of that glue to, you know, keep me together. Like I've got to have, you know, keep my body healthy. I've got to keep my mind, you know, positive, um, and so, yeah, definitely have a g- good crew. Support's important, um, but like I said, I accept these challenges as part of the experience. I mean, ultra running is—you know—it's just it's not possible to have a perfect race. That it's—you know—you're striving for a level of excellence in a a race experience, but these challenges are normal. Like I've normalized the challenges. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I tell, we, we coach athletes as well. And, you know, we, we, we tell them, you know, you're going to have lots of challenges and that's part of the experience. Like that's normal. And, you know, we, we help them, you know, figure out how to work through those challenges and, um, and yeah, I mean, I've gotten, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's all a learning experience as well. Like I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, seven years into my ultra career and I, I have so much more wisdom now than I did, you know, seven years ago when I first got into it. And, and so, yeah, I've kind of gotten better, you know, learning uh, over time, like how to work through challenges. So,
0: but I love that so much. It's an acceptance and it's so true. Like, even in my career as a triathlete, I never, ever had a perfect race. Like, I don't know. Have you ever had a perfect race?
1: Never, never (laughs) not. It's not possible. I mean, I, I think if you run a marathon, I think, I think you can have a pretty close to perfect race in a marathon, but going to ultra running Everything goes out the window. I mean, it's just not possible. And and I'm somebody that's a perfectionist. And so when I got into ultra running and I didn't necessarily know how to deal with these challenges, you know, I'm striving for this perfect race. And I've learned over time that not every race is going to be perfect. I need to accept the challenges. So so yeah, I mean, it, it can be hard for a marathoner coming into our sport. And they have this mentality of perfectionism and you kind of just have to throw that out the, out the window and, and strive for excellence. You know, I think of excellence as being, you know, trying to get better, trying to improve, trying to overcome those challenges and strive for, you know, a a higher, a higher level. And, but yeah, perfectionism is, you know, you have to throw that out the window. So.
0: Absolutely brilliant. So Camille, If there was like one piece of advice, I'm going to put you kind of on the line here. One (laughs) advice that you think would be the most important piece of advice to give, you know, a teenager or someone, you know, taking on something new or just in life, what would your biggest piece of advice be?
1: That's a great question. And I I, I like to I like to say that I, I run with joy. Yeah. Um, I always find a way to, you know, turn, turn lemons into lemonade and, you know, find the positive and, you know, be relentlessly positive. So, and, um, you know, even when you're, even when I'm in my darkest moments, I just find this way to wrap, to, to be positive and be like, okay, you know, I can get through this. And I feel like life experiences teach us that, you know, that every time we've had a challenge um, in our life, that we find a way to. You know to get out of it, and how it kind of you know makes us thick-skinned, and you know to deal with future challenges. And so, um, so yeah, I just you know find joy, and you know be propelled by joy, and and move move through light with move through move through life with a sense of optimism.
0: Oh my God! Okay, (laughs) I've been doing this for a while. This is my all-time favorite interview. Oh I want to thank you for being such a beautiful gift. To not only my audience but to this world, you're such (laughs) an example for people. I'm going to be telling every single one of my athletes that they should be, you know, following you, learning from you, using you as an example because you're just, um, yes, such a gift to this world. So Camille, I want to thank you. I want to wish you all the very best. I know that this is, gosh, it's probably only the beginning for you with what. doing next but you are an extraordinary soul so thank you thank you for blessing us with your time
1: thank you i appreciate the the kind words and and yeah just just let your magic come out
0: <laughs> absolutely i have i say claim your magic all the time because it's in there absolutely and don't wait claim your magic now yep. uh, camille you're amazing thank you so much and i hope to see you again sometime <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening in to the Bedhead Chronicles. I know we handed you a gift today. So thank you everyone (laughs) for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe. And to leave me a review, you can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook, Siri Lindley and Twitter at Celt S E L T S. You can also reach me via email at info at Siri Have an amazing day and shine on.